2: Team coverage and what to watch for as the results come in. Plus. This
3: sounded like a great adventure.
2: How a volunteer group is helping voters get to the polls, pandemic style. And the Surrey Christmas Bureau is rescued from a thieving Grinch, but now it faces another challenge.
4: You're watching Global BC.
5: This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening, thanks for joining us. 33 days of campaigning in the midst of a pandemic and it all comes down to this. Nearly three and a half million British Columbians helping to decide who will run the province for the next four years. We have extensive team coverage of Decision BC including reporters with the three front-running parties as candidates prepare for the results to start coming in. Of course, less than two hours before the polls close for in-person voting.
6: Nadia Stewart joins us from outside a polling station in Burnaby. Nadia, has it been busy there? Yeah, people are coming and going as they have been all day. But the dynamics this time around are different, with a record number of British Columbians having already cast their ballots. A show of support in Vancouver as NDP candidates gather with some of the party faithful Saturday morning. B.C. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson casts his ballot. So too does B.C. Greens leader Sonia Firstino, wrapping up a far-from-normal election campaign.
7: It's harder to reach the voters, and all three parties had that challenge, and so we had to work to reach voters in different ways. The lack of time, of course, is a... Uh, is a factor,
6: but the work carries on. It is now up to British Columbians to decide who will be doing that work. Hundreds of thousands of voters have already weighed in, with an unprecedented number taking advantage of advance polls and mail-in ballots.
8: During advance voting between October 15th and 21st, uh, we had around 680,000 voters cast their ballot. Uh, That's a a record. Uh, We've also had record numbers of mail-in ballots Uh, We've received about 500,000
6: of those leading up to today. As for everyone else. It's important to uh, obviously
9: vote. Um, I uh, prefer to do that in person if I can.
6: They masked up and walked in, casting their ballots throughout the day Saturday, saying despite the challenges around voting this year, they wouldn't skip out on the opportunity to have their say.
10: It's our responsibility
7: to be voting.
10: I think I saw what I wanted to see in the
0: party that I voted for. It it was a bit of a surprise, I think, having a vote in the middle of a pandemic wasn't necessarily
3: what I would have asked for. I think I'm motivated primarily by the drama in the states. Um, It's kind of just made me feel that we're really grateful, or I'm really grateful to have a free and fair election uh, system and democratic system in Canada.
6: Elections BC says about 65 to 70 percent of the votes will be counted on election day. And as for those mail-in ballots, some of them might still be in transit. So it'll be a little while before all of the votes are counted. Back to you. Thanks, Nadia. Party
2: headquarters would normally be the place to be for candidates on election night, but that's not the case because of the pandemic. Nitu Garcha joins us from NDP headquarters. Neetu, what's
1: the mood like there? Well, Colleen, from this vantage point, what you see behind me probably looks like a standard election night headquarters, but the rest of the room is eerily quiet. Members of the media, some key party staffers making up the entirety of this room. John Horgan is also in the building. He is in a different room watching the night unfold with his family and close contacts. And I can imagine on a non-pandemic election night, this room would be filled with pos- positivity, high energy, given that the BCNDP is widely expected to win that majority t- Tonight, But some of the party staffers who are here tonight who have had a chance to talk to have brought up the nightmare for the NDP that was the year 2013 when they thought they had this in the bag and then they lost to the Christie Clark government and the B.C. Liberals. Of course, that would be a worst case scenario for them this time around. They're hoping not to relive that nightmare. So there is cautious optimism here, Colleen. Of course, even with all those polls reporting what they are for the NDP, the most important poll that's still underway goes until 8pm. Um, Colleen. Exactly. Thank you so much for
2: that. Turning now to Liberal headquarters, uh, campaign headquarters, com- and that is where we find our John Waugh and where it will also be different than in past election nights. John.
11: Yeah, that's right, Colleen. Like uh, I need to mention, there's nothing ordinary about this evening. And at BC Liberal headquarters here at the Church and Wall Centre, this is no exception. Normally, this would be the it spot on election night. There would be candidates coming and going. This room would be filled with volunteers making sounds of celebration, perhaps even sadness. But this room is pretty much reserved for media at a social distance at this point. But what we do know is that BC Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson will be arriving at around 8.15. And he will be in another room watching the results. Results come in but he will be coming down here to address media at some point. Now it is not a secret that the BC Liberal Party did not want this election, first calling it irresponsible for the BC NDP to be calling a snap election during a pandemic when so many people are suffering but also doing so on the BC NDP's terms means perhaps they did not get the start they wanted on the right footing and there have been stumbles along the way. So the hope is perhaps a campaign with some new diverse candidates and some bold promises might be enough to defy expectations. Colleen?
2: We shall see. John, thank you so much to Vancouver Island now and the B.C. Green Party headquarters. And that is where our Kylie Stanton is. Kylie, a first election for the new leader.
0: Yes, that's right, Colleen. Sonia Furstenau was in this job for just one week when the election was called and she's been campaigning ever since. And tonight we're going to find out if that hard work paid off. A lot is at stake for the Greens in this election and that includes their official party status. Now, if they drop down to one seat, they will lose that altogether. That means losing funding and their staff as well. Even worse would be a complete wipeout. Now, obviously, everyone here really doesn't want to see that happen. Uh, not a lot of people in the room, but I do need to point out the elephant in the room, and that is Andrew Weaver. Now, earlier this year, Weaver stepped down from the party as leader and stepped away from the party, in fact, citing personal reasons. Tonight, we're going to find out, do, when we see these outcomes and the results coming in, we're going to find out, were the Greens a party of Andrew Weaver? Or has Sonia Firstenow done enough in her short time as leader to get voters on her side. Colleen? It's going to be interesting. Thanks so much, Kylie. Our Legislative Bureau Chief
2: Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, what are you going to be watching for as the results start to come?
12: Well, certainly we're going to be looking at the results riding by riding. We're going to be anxious to call them elected one way or another. But there are some overarching themes and some key questions that are going to be answered tonight as the, the votes come in and the ridings are distributed. First of all, uh, the big question is, will the rural-urban divide that was exposed in 2017 uh, widen? Will it push the B.C. Liberals even further out of Metro Vancouver? Secondly, what happens to the BC Green voter? More than 333,000 people voted green last time, a big surge in green support. Does it stay green? Does it expand? Or does it shrink? And does it go to other parties? And finally, can the NDP break through in Richmond? They haven't won there since 1972. Uh, The polls are tracking very well for them in Metro Vancouver, of course. And why that's important uh, for both uh, the NDP and the BC Liberals, the BC Liberals are hinging their renewal hopes on Richmond because they've got three candidates there who are young, uh, ethnically diverse and also mixed gender in terms of two women and two men and if they can't get those candidates uh, elected such as Matt Pitcairn, Alexa Liu and Jazz Johal along with Teresa Watt that would really dash their hopes at renewal. So a lot's riding on the results in Richmond uh, tonight and that's why we're going to be keeping a close eye on that as well.
2: All right looking forward to your analysis this evening. Thanks Keith. Well no matter who you choose to vote for Voting is important. To that end, a group of volunteers is helping to make sure voters can get to polling stations, even if they have to personally cycle them there. Paul Johnson reports.
5: Check out the ride Giselle Stellmacher scored to go and vote Saturday.
3: I was always adventurous, and this sounded like a great adventure.
5: At 87, Giselle hasn't been out on a bike in about 20 years, and walking is iffy. Luckily, she found out about a new free service for seniors like her.
2: And we are the first chapter in Vancouver, and what we do is we take uh, seniors and people with disabilities out for rides on the Tri
5: Jennifer Chen helped bring Cycling Without Age to Vancouver. The nonprofit that started in Denmark is now in 42 countries and found that for seniors and people with disabilities, a RIDE ON THEIR tri WAS TRANSFORMATIVE.
2: WHAT uh, WAS FOUND WAS THAT FOR PEOPLE WITH MOBILITY CHALLENGES AND SENIORS, GETTING THEM OUT IN THE FRESH AIR WHEN THEY'RE NOT ABLE TO PEDAL THEMSELVES ANYMORE MAKES A HUGE DIFFERENCE IN THEIR uh,
5: HAPPINESS.
8: You CAN SEAT uh, TWO PASSENGERS COMFORTABLY, SAFELY. Uh, IT HAS ELECTRIC ASSIST. SO uh, IF I NEED TO GO UP A HILL, uh, IT HELPS ME GET THERE.
5: VOLUNTEER PILOT Darren STONE LOVES THE RIDE AND SAYS HE PARTICULARLY ENJOYS THE STORYTELLING ASPECT OF THE GIG.
3: I'M SITTING HERE TALKING TO YOU, AND I CAN VOTE. CONGRATULATIONS.
5: Woo! CROSSING THAT OFF THE LIST, Giselle THEN ENJOYED A NICE AFTERNOON EXCURSION ON THE SEAWALL. WE ASKED IF CYCLING WITHOUT AGE MEASURED UP TO HER EXPECTATIONS. ALMOST good, BEYOND.
3: Hey? IT'S FANTASTIC. AND IT'S DEFINITELY a, a SERVICE I WILL BE USING IN THE FUTURE.
5: IN VANCOUVER, PAUL JOHNSON, GLOBAL NEWS
2: like fun and following the news hour we continue with our extensive coverage of tonight's election results it begins at 7 o'clock on global BC BC one online and on 980 CKNW a blast of winter like weather has left one person dead and created mayhem for drivers in the interior the snowfall shattered a 120 year record north of the okanagan lake with more than 13 centimeters falling on friday highway 33 east of kelowna was closed for several hours following a number of crashes near cranbrook highway 3 was closed in both directions after a semi collided with a pickup killing one person and injuring another the cleanup is underway in kelowna city parks and other public spaces where broken tree branches litter the ground
11: that are down a lot of trees um, that are you know, compromised at this point so we're asking the public to stay out of our parks at this point until we can do a full assessment and deal with some of these uh, tree hazards that exist
2: yesterday's snow proved too much for many trees in the city especially elms and maples which were still full of leaves the heavy snow broke branches and nearly split some trees in half
11: we will uh, try to do our best to get this all cleaned up. We have crews on this weekend that are going to be working and a contractor helping us out. So we'll do our best to get this all cleaned up.
2: Residents who see trees that have become a safety hazard can report them by submitting a parks maintenance service request online at the City of Kelowna website. Oh. A large plume of black smoke could be seen near Vancouver City Hall this afternoon. The source, a minivan that erupted in flames, firefighters quickly doused the fire. No word on any injuries or how it started. Oxygen yoga in Port Coquitlam is temporarily closing until November 4th out of an abundance of caution following several COVID cases linked to the studio. It says it was notified of two positive cases on Tuesday stemming from two friends who attended a class. COVID policies include physical distancing with mats spaced six feet apart. The studio is sanitized between classes and deep cleaned each day with Lysol used on high touch points. And when it reopens, it will make masks mandatory everywhere except on the mats and will remove two spots in each class to make more space.
0: It was a matter of potentially asymptomatic people coming, taking classes um, without without being aware of, of the symptoms and that they were infected. Any cases that we've been made aware of that have also tested positive are also within that similar friend group or attached to that friend group. There is currently less than 10 um, reported cases, and we're
13: happy to say that with this closure, it has not
2: grown The family of a Surrey man is speaking out, thanking the public for its generosity in helping their loved one after an out-of-control RV smashed into his home, destroying it. But as Julia Foy reports, he's still being victimized by thieves.
3: A whole bunch of guys coming and looting the place, all hours of the day, all hours of the night.
13: Garth Howden is tired of watching thieves scavenging through the belongings of his neighbor, 83-year-old Manfred Schiello.
10: Uh, what I'm going to do, you know, it's just awful.
13: On September 5th, an out-of-control RV careened down 140th Street in Surrey and crashed into Sciello's home. Fortunately, Manfred was not home. The driver of the RV was taken to hospital. Manfred was left asleep in his van.
10: I slept here in the van, you know. Yeah, so and this has left you homeless? Yeah, I'm absolutely homeless.
13: In recent weeks, he has found temporary shelter but his home of over 30 years continues to be targeted by thieves.
3: Pulled up in, with their trucks, trailer there, started loading stuff up Till I pulled over and said, hey, what are you guys doing? You better get out of here. The cops are coming. And they took off, right? But yeah, this is happening steady, just nonstop.
13: Howden shot this image of a black truck that he alleges has repeatedly stolen material from the property. Neighbors worry people are profiting by taking scrap metal to local recycling operations. And the mess continues to grow.
3: Just been making complaints on their little website there, telling them about the smell and the rats.
13: Globo reached out to Manford's son in Alberta, and he said in a statement, the matter is being handled by his dad's lawyer, so we can't speak to the specifics, but I can only offer my sincere gratitude to the kind people of Wally, the Canadian Red Cross, and to every person who has donated to the GoFundMe page. A City of Surrey spokesperson tells Global if the house is designated a nuisance property, the homeowner could be told to clean it up. And if they don't, the city would and send the bill to the owner.
3: That's unfair for a guy that just had a little bit of bad luck. I mean, a motorhome goes into his house and now he's going to get stuck with the bill to clean it up. It's not his fault.
2: Julia Foy, Global News. And the surrey christmas bureau has found a new home after thieves ruined their former location at the stardust roller skating building on city parkway the vacant building has been used for the past two years but it has been left unusable after someone stripped the wiring and plumbing the organization has been appealing for help and it has arrived in the form of fabricana stepping up with a location on 138th street and 104th avenue which the bureau says is perfect While the Bureau is grateful for the community coming together in their time of need, the organization is still in need of donations for this upcoming holiday season.
13: The pandemic has really impacted the way a lot of companies and individuals have been able to help us with large-scale toy drives. A lot of those are not able to happen, so we're going to be looking for the public to bring us as many toys as possible.
2: A Prince George woman is making a heartbreaking anniversary, marking rather a heartbreaking anniversary this weekend. It's been almost two and a half years since her teenage son went missing, with sporadic sightings in Vancouver. She's back for another search. Colton, I love you. Um, happy
7: birthday. Your dog Gizmo misses you. Phyllis Flurry making a desperate plea to her missing son. On the day he turns 19.
9: As a mother you know not knowing where your youngest baby is it's really hard to just get on with life. Colton
7: Flurry was 16 when he was last seen on May 3rd 2018 at the downtown Prince George Hotel where his mother worked and lived. Three years is just too hard. RCMP say there are no signs of foul play in Colton's disappearance and extensive efforts to find him have not had success. My missing son. Colton's mother not giving up. She's made more than 10 trips to Vancouver, scouring the downtown east side for clues. And working the crowd at this weekend rally, handing out cards with her son's photo and her phone number. I'm out here searching by myself. Flurry understands her son is now an adult and can make his own choices. But I just want to know that he's out there somewhere and we love him. I want to know that he's okay. Colton, come home, please. Kristen Robinson,
2: Global News. Police are asking for the public's help to find a Bowen Island teen missing for three days. 14-year-old Christopher Park was last seen at around 11 o'clock Wednesday night and was reported missing the next day when he didn't return to Bowen Island. Park is six feet tall and was last seen wearing a black and red checkered hoodie, black jeans and black Adidas low-top runners. He often visits West Vancouver, including Park Royal and the Ambleside Waterfront, along with Caulfield Village. Victoria Police want your help to locate a missing high-risk 17-year-old boy. Shea Baker is Indigenous with shoulder-length brown hair and brown eyes. He is 5 feet tall, 5 feet 10 inches tall, and 170 pounds. He hasn't been in contact with his family since Wednesday, October 21st. He has outstanding warrants and... Police say that it's possible he's avoiding them, but it's unusual for him to be out of contact with his family for this long, and there is concern for his well-being. If you see him, you're asked not to approach him, but call 911. A teen is in hospital after a stabbing incident at a Port Coquitlam Middle School at around 9 o'clock Friday night. Police were called to the Minicata Middle School where they found a 16-year-old boy with non-life-threatening stab wounds. Officers arrested another 16-year-old suspect. RCMP say this is an isolated incident and there is no risk to the public. Richmond RCMP now say one person has been arrested after a bizarre incident at a work site that was all caught on camera. Mattie say they responded to a construction site at Spears Gate and Cooney Road following a report of a theft of a gardener's vehicle just before noon on Thursday. This footage shows the white work van driving into the back of a large commercial truck before backing into a ditch. A man pulls out the driver and another man hits him with a large plank. RCMP say the 48-year-old suspect, a Vancouver resident, has been arrested, taken to hospital and treated for undisclosed injuries. Charges have not yet been laid. That nest of so-called murder hornets found just across the border in Blaine, Washington is no more crews vacuumed up the nest which contained an estimated 100 to 200 hornets into a large canisters the tree in which the nest was found will be cut down to extract newborn hornets and to learn if any of the queens have left the hive scientists with the washington state agriculture department attached tracking devices to several hornets to lead them to the nest and there are they are a threat to honeybees that that farmers depend on to pollinate their crops of course an asian giant hornet was first discovered in nanaimo about a year ago At least two people are dead after a U.S. Navy aircraft crashed into a home southeast of Mobile, Alabama. Amazingly, the residents of the house were not injured, but the house sustained a lot of damage. The plane was a Navy training aircraft. It's not clear what type of plane crashed, how many people were on board, or what went wrong. BC isn't the only province holding an election during a pandemic. People living in Saskatchewan are also heading to the polls. It's the final day of advanced voting ahead of Monday's provincial election there. Saskatchewan has already set a new record for the most advanced votes with more than 150,000 ballots cast in just four days. Canada's top doctor is warning the number of COVID-19 hospitalizations and death deaths, that is, could rise in the coming weeks because of spikes in cases. Dr. Teresa Tam's comments come the same day Ontario is reporting a new single-day case count record of 978 confirmed cases. In Quebec, just over 1,000 people tested positive for the virus in the last 24 hours. And Manitoba recorded 153 new cases today, more than half in the Winnipeg region. Well, the days are winding down to the U.S. presidential election as that country reported a new record 80,000 COVID-19 infections in just 24 hours. More than 56 million Americans have already cast a ballot, and that number is still climbing. Today, President Trump voted early in West Palm Beach, Florida. Mr. President,
10: who did
8: you vote for today? Uh, I voted for a guy named Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody.
2: Donald Trump is holding three campaign rallies across North Carolina and Ohio before returning to the White House late this evening. Former President Barack Obama held a campaign rally today in Florida on behalf of Joe Biden. Speaking at a drive-in rally, Obama criticized the Trump administration's response to COVID-19 and referenced Donald Trump's walking out of a 60 Minutes interview.
10: Miami, listen, if he can't answer a tough question like, what would you like to do in your second term? Then it's our job
1: to make sure he doesn't get a second term.
6: I spent 20 years trying to get out of this place. Looking for something.
2: Bon Jovi performed at a campaign rally for Joe Biden in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. The election just 10 days away. In Health Matters tonight, it's a growing problem online with real-life consequences. Researchers say disinformation campaigns on social media are linked to falling vaccination rates worldwide. An international study found for each 1% increase in disinformation, there is a 2% drop in the annual vaccination rate.
14: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
2: In a city known for going big, Dubai broke the record for the world's largest water fountain. The new Palm Fountain, located on one of the city's mad-made palm-shaped islands, covers an area of more than 7,000 square meters. It has more than 3,000 LED lights, 7,500 nozzles, and can shoot water up to 350 feet high. The Palm Fountain will be open year-round and have 20 different shows daily. Well, this likely broke some kind of record. We are going to meet a 102-year-old veteran who might inspire you. We're going to have that right after Yvonne's forecast. Yvonne,
10: a beautiful day today. Dining. Much needed after all the snowfall that we've been tracking from many areas across the province. Here's a glance of what it looks like right now. Sunset overlooking English Bay, but chilly out there. And we'll continue to see those cool temperatures. We've got this cool Arctic air that is entrenched across the province. We're sitting at 6. We've got a light southeasterly wind at 15 kilometres per hour. Wanted to show a couple of photos of what a difference a couple of days make. This was in Oliver, Thursday, and then on Friday. Different patio view and the first frost that was captured in Coquitlam. So thank you so much so much Andre. The snowfall totals on Friday once again so there was that big range Kamloops 10 centimeters out of the airport West Kelowna 26 but a few spots across the Okanagan pushing closer to 30 centimeters chilly today across Metro Vancouver 9 was the high Below the average for this time of the year that typically sits at 12 degrees and not quite record-breaking. 20 degrees on the Almanac was set back in 1986. Highs today, cool. Williams Lake, minus 8. Areas near the Peace at minus 4. And we are looking at the winds continuing, especially near Howe Sound. We've got these strong northerly winds with the outflow winds. For example, today, Howe Sound had a sustained wind this morning closer to 70 kilometres per hour. And gusts today of upwards of 80 kilometres per hour for eastern areas stretching in towards the Fraser Valley. We will continue to see it windy, especially closer to the water this evening. And a wind warning is still in effect for Sound, with the wind starting to ease by tomorrow morning. So we will see windy conditions overnight in towards the morning hours and then they should start to subside towards the afternoon. Heads up though, wind chill once again overnight tonight. Many spots in the interior, for example, with Prince George feeling closer to minus 9. We'll dip down close to or hovering the freezing mark, so do bundle up. Tomorrow morning, we've got plenty of sunshine and then partly cloudy through the day with highs up to 7 degrees. We do have a winter storm warning that is in effect. All areas that are in yellow and heads up, this is what we're tracking. It'll be pushing in towards the evening hours tomorrow. A few spots across the interior, will start to see that snow developing. It'll intensify, and it's really Sunday overnight, into Monday morning that we are going to see a significant amount of snow for the following areas, 15 and up to 25 centimetres, and there is the potential a transition across the central interior that we could see some freezing rain, and that'll be for Monday morning, so areas near Prince George will be included within that, and along the mountain passes, uh, heads up if you're travelling along the Pine Pass with 15 and up to 25 centimetres, so that's Sunday night leading in towards Monday morning. Now we are going to look at the northern half of the province, it's along the coast, it'll be as rain, inland we're seeing snowfall much of the central interior the bulk of the uh, moisture is going to move in it'll be late especially as we approach the evening hours on sunday southern half of the province for the interior we've got a dry day precipitation is going to move in late for sunday and leading in towards our monday morning chilly once again so we will need to bundle up we've got some sunshine in the mix but cloud cover dry over the next few wednesday is our next chance for some showers colleen
2: Okay, doke thanks so much yvonne a World War II veteran did something recently many people would never attempt. But when you consider her other accomplishments, this is just one in a long list.
4: Millie Bailey says she always wanted to go skydiving. She recently checked that off her bucket list at the age of 102. Tell me what it was like to jump out of that plane.
13: It was great. At one point, the wind had gotten pretty st- strong, and I was tumbling, and I felt like I was by myself, (laughs) and I wondered where the paratrooper had gone. She
4: calls it the thrill of a lifetime, a lifetime that's been full of thrills. One of the biggest, she says, was meeting President Obama, who honored her military service. In World War II, she joined the Women's Army Corps, rising to unit commander, and was one of only two African-American women in her class at Adjutant General School. She retired from government service 45 years ago. Did you slow down when you retired? Not really. And one more thrill. Today, this park in Columbia, Maryland, was named for her in honor of her decades of charitable good works. Having conquered skydiving, she now has her sights set on the next big thrill. I still would like to meet Michelle Obama. That would take the last thing off my bucket list. And we're guessing she'll find a way to make that happen, too. Chip Reade, CBS News, Columbia, Maryland.
2: I want to meet Michelle Obama too. Yeah, add that to the bucket list for everybody. Okay, have either of you ever gone skydiving?
4: No,
8: but when I turn 102, I'm going to do it for the first time. And I want you guys to remind me. (laughs) There's
2: no reason to wait. Not that
8: long to go before I get there, believe me. Oh,
2: not quite I did a few years ago with um (laughs) yeah, with uh, the Canadian Forces and uh tandem jump. I would never do it by myself. And I was absolutely terrified. It is it's such a terrifying thing. But you go from that sense of I think I'm going to die to I didn't die. So you're so elated that you
8: survived. It's great. You definitely have to kick me out of the plane. Yeah, almost.
2: Almost. What do we got coming up there?
8: Well, uh, we always love showing uh, Alfonso Davies highlights from Germany, but not today. Unfortunately, uh, the young phenom suffered a pretty serious ankle injury, so we'll show you that coming up. It's not going to be uh, out for the season or anything like that, but it is significant.
2: You may have noticed when global reporter Richard Zussman appears on camera, there's an assortment of drawings behind him. Like so many others, he's been working from home during the pandemic and decorating his home set with drawings by his two young children. Tonight we do did- DEBUT THEIR SPECIAL ELECTION COVERAGE.
9: Hi, I'm Richard Zussman, Global News Reporter. They've been on TV for months. And let's have a look at where the leaders are going to be on the campaign trail. When your parents are political reporters, an election means special drawings. 87 images for 87 ridings.
7: It's really fun because you get to learn about all the different ridings.
9: For weeks, my two kids, 8-year-old Bailey and 4-year-old Eli, have been keeping up with Dad on the campaign trail by drawing.
13: Gillion, gillion dollars.
9: Some were hard to come up with, including a robot from Gladstone Secondary in Vancouver Kingsway. Others, easy, a peacock from Victoria Beacon Hill, Science World for Vancouver Falls Creek, and Bailey's favorite restaurant for the riding of Oak Bay, Gordon Head.
7: Our family gets sushi from there every Saturday. So it was, and we we're going to do the riding of Oak Bay.
9: Altogether, the images are what bind us as British Columbians, from people, including Mr. PG, to food. To transportation to natural beauty, an education about who we are through the stroke of a marker. But for a journalist dad, these sort of pictures don't come cheap.
7: I'm getting one dollar for every picture that we do combined. So like
9: $87. The kids coming up with some of the ideas, the candidates themselves helping out. This is Our Lady of Lords Parish in Coquitlam Millardville, and this is the drawing.
1: It is the only square like this of its kind, the only church like this of its kind, west of Manitoba.
9: And here's the fairy Village in South Surrey's Redwood Park. And the park in the mind of an eight-year-old.
6: I think uh, someone had a very busy, busy last couple of weeks uh, drawing.
9: Two final pictures. This one for Burnaby Lohey, the team, Chris, Sophie and Keith, that will bring you election night from the Global Studios. And Victoria Swan Lake, Bailey's rendition of a family portrait. No one's smiling whiter right now than her dad. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
2: Barry's here with sports, and Barry, just one word. Alfonso!
8: Yeah, it wasn't a very uh, cool day for the Fons today Poor in guy. Germany. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, well, it's been magical to watch Alfonso Davies turn into one of the world's top young soccer stars the past couple of seasons with Bayern Munich. The former white cap doesn't turn 20 until next month, but unfortunately... He'll be spending his birthday rehabbing a serious ankle injury suffered today in Bundesliga action. Robert Lewandowski and Davies in the starting 11 versus Eintracht Frankfurt. But just over a minute in, Davies rolls his ankle. Not a clear, definitive view of the injury, just a misstep. No defenders around him. And the right ankle bends back badly. Bayern Munich confirming it's a ligament injury six to eight weeks out. But ankle injuries are so difficult to heal in season. And with speed being such a big part, of his game it's a real shame for davies but he tweeted out afterwards he'll be back and he appreciated all the support from his fans barn won the match by the way five nil the Whitecaps have just four matches remaining in the MLS regular season. They need to win at least three of them. They play San Jose tonight, a team they must uh, assuredly must pass in the standings to get into the top eight in the West. Kickoff is at seven o'clock in Portland. EPL action today, Liverpool and Sheffield United tied 1-1 in the second. Diogo Jota with the game winner heads it in. Liverpool heads Sheffield United 2-1. Liverpool now 4-1 and 1, second in the standings. Chelsea Kelsey and Man United played to a nil-nil draw today. Even though there's been no CFL football in 2020, the BC Lions are doing their best to stay connected with the football community. Once a week, the entire coaching staff is online talking football in a one-of-a-kind webinar for amateur coaches in our province.
14: You know, at this point in time, at this time of the year, I mean, this is when everything's ramping up. It's the best time of the year. You're getting ready to go into playoffs and... And uh, you know, you right now you're missing that daily connection with people, whether it's your players, other coaches, you know, people around the league, colleagues, and you're missing talking football. You know, I, mi- I miss those 16-hour days right now. It's 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 a different world we're all adapting to right now. First and 10, yeah, first like eleven that. plus.
12: And the Lions way of adapting is having their coaches open up the collective playbook and sprinkle football's X and O's online. The webinar series is called The Coach's Playbook every wednesday from now until november as an amateur coach you can pick the football minds of bc's entire staff offense defense or just training doesn't matter it's full-on football and it's free
5: shoot it's its my first year in the coach's seat so i'm excited to kind of uh pass on what i've learned not only as a player but from these coaches and other coaches that have come up under being on the other side of things and hopefully can kind of get some good dialogue going and, and talking football because you know, it's not something you'd be doing this time under normal circumstances, so I'm just excited.
12: Reaching out into the community is something the Lions constantly do year in and year out, but this year is unlike any we've seen before. COVID shutting down not only the CFL season, but also the numerous off-field activities where the Lions are always lending a helping hand. Now they're reaching out in the community on a different level.
5: There's a bunch of little one-line mantras playing quarterback that coaches from youth till now have kind of stuck with me. Um, the first one off the top of my head, Coach Franklin, who's now the head coach at Penn State. We were a big huddle team at Maryland. And he said, you call every play like it's the game-winning play in the Super Bowl to inspire confidence. Just little things like that that stick with you for how you enunciate plays and call them in the huddle.
14: We're just, you know, we're another resource for them and, in, in, and another way to create conversation. I think that's what's most important is creating that connection so that even when this webinar is done, um, We've now started and created a new connection with people throughout the province that now allow us to continue to build that and we can create and still you know, continue to build football at every level, which to me is what is most important.
8: Third round of the Zozo Championship from Sherwood Country Club in L.A. Tiger Woods, the defending champ, won last year when it was played in Japan, but now in L.A. because of COVID. Tiger not in contention, but hits a shot through the tree to salvage a par, but he's near the bottom of the 77-man field, tied 69th at 3-under. He played with Adam Hadwin today. Adam is at 4-under, tied for 64th. John Rahm, the big mover and shaker today, a birdie at 17, part of a 9-under, 63 to get to minus 18, and a piece of the lead. The 17th again, Justin Thomas from the other side, 28 feet for Birdie, and it goes down. He's got the lead at 19 under, one better than Rom. Top Canadian Corey Connors tied 20th at 12 under, Nick Taylor's at 7 under. And UFC from Fight Island, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gathjay for the UFC. Lightweight championship, much-anticipated fight. Habib, a perfect 28-no, considered the best pound-for-pound pound in the world. And in the second round, Habib with the submission on the triangle choke. Another impressive win. And afterwards, Habib addressed his fans with a big announcement.
3: This, it was my last fight. And no way I'm gonna come here without my father. It was the first time when, uh, after what happened with my father when UFC called me about Justin. I talked with my father, th- my, my mother, three days. She don't want go fight without father, but I promise her it's gonna be my last fight. And if I give my word, I have to follow this.
8: Well, he seems sincere, but as we know, in uh, UFC and in boxing, retirement announcements need to be taken with a grain of salt. But he seems like that might be his last fight, so we'll see.
2: Okay. Thanks so much, Barry. We are counting down to our live election coverage. Our Richard Zussman joins us from Victoria. Richard, I understand there's some really cool technology we're using tonight.
9: Yeah, it's going to be neat, Colleen. So we're in a place here not known for its technology, the B.C. legislature. This place has been around a long, long time, but we're infusing some technology into this. So this is our Decision B.C. big map, and you're going to see a lot of this tonight, demonstrating what things look like and how things are going to change. So this is the 2017 map where the ridings went last time around. We can have a look at different regions. And one of the places we'll be watching very, very closely tonight is right here in Richmond where the Liberals hold all four seats but the NDP believe they could pick up as many as three of those and then when we click on one of those ridings you have a look at the results. So this is from last election so these are final results and you can see the numbers will change throughout the night when we look at those 2020 numbers. Richmond-Queensboro another one of those really close ridings. So we're going to be showing this all night long as we uh, go ahead to 2020. Obviously no results yet but you can look and you see some of the candidates there and we'll be also be able to show people through the night the trend lines and so as we start getting some of those polls you will see the uh, lines move for the parties along that screen so all of that is the way we want to showcase what British Columbia looks like going into this election and how it is going to change throughout the night Colleen.
2: All right looking forward to it thanks Richard. And Sophie Louie and Chris Galis are here as we are about to begin our live election coverage.
1: Yeah, thanks, Colleen. I, you know what? The polls aren't even closed, and my side of the desk is already
11: <laughs> a mess.
1: Wait till the end of the evening, and it'll all be just uh, chaos.
11: Out here. Absolutely
14: true. We've got uh, the paintings from, uh, or the little pictures from Richard Zussman's yeah. kids, who for uh, for good luck. It's going to be an incredible night. We've got Keith Baldry with us here as well running through the results that will be coming in. Most of the results, because there's a lot we won't be counting tonight,
5: Keith.
12: Yeah, all those mail-in ballots are going to make tonight very uncertain and a lot of writings. You know, the three of us have been through a lot of election nights together and every one is a little bit different than the one before. And I remember we were up to on the air to 1.30 last time, waiting for some writings to come back with the uncertainty being out there. Tonight, we're going to be in a lot of uncertain areas because 500,000 people, more than 500,000 people, voted by mail. And uh, those ballots Aren't going to be op- or aren't going to be uh, counted f- for two weeks. So if we got some close writings, we're probably not going to call them elected one way or another. But it's going to be a very fascinating night because BC elections usually are. I
1: hope we're- that doesn't mean we're here for the next two hope- weeks straight.
12: <laughs> 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 I don't know. We are
14: ready to go, and we hope you'll stay with us. Our BC election show begins in just moments. Stick around.